Diary of a Dickhead, the podcast dedicated to outcasts, assholes, and of course, the dickheads. I'm your host, Chris Sicoli, and we're going to jump right into this week's asshole, or dickhead, that's the name of the show, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Right before we do, uh, going to go into the listener agreement. By listening beyond this point, you hereby agree to be cool. That means if you hear words you don't like or a joke you didn't laugh at, you agree to be cool instead of acting shitty on social media. Henceforth, vis-a-vis, etc., etc., you get the idea. Now, I am very excited about Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the chairman and CEO of WWE World Wrestling Entertainment, and personally someone I believe belongs on the Mount Rushmore of dickheads. Truly one of the greatest of all time. He is someone I respect through his slimy hood. He's such a lie, lying scumbag, but he's not, he's not shady dealings behind your back. Not all the time, at least, right? He's upfront with his sliminess. His shadiness is really in the light. You know he's lying to you when he talks to you. And I don't mind that kind of liar. It's actually one of the very few things I don't hate about Trump, right? Because the people that believe him are idiots. Everyone else, we clearly see he's lying. But he's lying to our face. And, like, he's not trying to hide it. So when someone does that, it's not up to him to not lie. It's up to the person receiving it to be like, Oh, you're obviously full of shit because I'm using all my senses and intellect to digest that you're full of shit. That's the kind of dickhead that Vince McMahon is. The lie-to-your-face billionaire asshole. And he's had a lot of controversies throughout the years. I'm going to go into a brief history of him because most likely you generally know Vince McMahon by now. WWE is a worldwide brand of epic proportions. Some of you may not know that uh, he actually started working for his father back when it was the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, WWWF, back in the 1970s. Vince starred as, as an, uh, an announcer, play-by-play commentator, interviewer, that sort of thing, helping out with general shit. Eventually promoted a small territory that his dad ran, just to kind of get experience in that field. Eventually took over and monopolized the wrestling business by going out and finding stars or potential stars like Hulk Hogan. He essentially found that that potential megastar person, Hogan, Andre, then went out and connected with pop stars like uh, Cyndi Lauper and just any hot musical acts at the time to get mainstream attention. So he starts touring throughout the country, which was, at the time, wrestling used to be very regional. So, like, every different region was owned by this a, a promoter, right? Uh, someone in the, in the Carolines would only run in the Carolines. You have a Florida territory. You had a Georgia territory. Vince was like... I got these stars, I got this mainstream attention, I'm gonna start touring in your territories. Because fuck you, I want your money too. And he fucking monopolized it. He crushed all the other territories, outmaneuvered them, out-reputationed them, started signing their major players and building his own brand in the Northeast until it became, you know, the WWF, World Wrestling Federation, now World Wrestling Entertainment. And he just, he did it. He crushed all his competition throughout the years, and got to the top. And he did that through being a monumental fucking dickhead. 
Vice is actually doing this uh, documentary series called Dark Side of the Ring, I believe, and Vince McMahon got brought up recently in an episode that they did on Jimmy Snuka. The episode being focused on 1983, uh, Jimmy Snuka allegedly killed his then-girlfriend, Nancy Argentino. Now, Vince gets mentioned because... Well, there's two things. In the actual documentary, it gets mentioned that Vince McMahon eventually called Nancy's mom and basically offered her hush money to the tune of $25,000. Now, the way he phrased it was like, you know, Miss Argentino, I'm so sorry for your loss, blah, blah, blah. Would you feel better about the situation if you had $25,000? Which is a really good way to sell it. Because, again, it's li it's lying to your face. This is what I actually respect. It's lying to her face, right? He's not saying, Miss Argentino, here's $25,000 in hush money, right? He's using language that is obvious what the subtext is. Would you feel better about the situation with $25,000? Now, she said no, because she has integrity, because uh, his fucking wrestler killed her, her daughter. Good for you, Miss Argentino. Uh, I would have taken the money, by the way. 100 I would still be sad, but would, this, would I feel better about the situation with money? Yeah, I would feel better. Not good, but better. Now, that, that's what Vice commented on. Now, this whole controversy, it got, like, brought up again with, uh, the, the case was left un uh, open. They started investigating more, and then Vice is just doing more wrestling shit, and it's an interesting story. But as, like, uh, as, as a wrestling fan, this story's been around for years. Years, years, years. And the rumor for the longest time, which I'm surprised Vice didn't get into, maybe because they couldn't, you know, substantiate it with any real evidence... Uh, Vince McMahon supposedly showed up to the scene when Snuka was being investigated. Snuka, you know, either called the office or called Vince, and Vince got down there. And uh, potentially, allegedly, bribed the officers into letting him go because Snuka had to go wrestle the next night. McMahon went to the scene of a crime, a murder, a homicide, that his wrestler likely did, committed bribed officers so that this murderer, his investment, could go make him more money the next night on a show he's booked on. And then the night after that, and the night after that, and so on and so forth. Because at the time, Snuka was a hot act. A real hot act. I think most people know that big splash from the top of the cage, the, the super fly splash, brada. Hit it off the top of the cage, brada. He was a big star at the time. Vince wanted him on the shows to make some more money. That is the mob boss mentality that Vince has had his entire fucking career. And it's never, you know, he doesn't want it getting out that he's this way. He, he would prefer to look a certain way in the public light, but he's never hid who he truly is. He's a fucking entrepreneur who wants to have an empire, a legacy. All the money in the world for him and his family. McMahon. He just wants McMahon to fucking rule with all the power and money. That's what he's about, and he doesn't hide it. Uh, by the way, I was actually in a locker room with Snuka a few times, because like, uh, a lot of the old independent wrestlers, no, a lot of the old like WWF guys from like the, the early 90s, like uh, Brutus Beefcake, uh, The Patriot, 
uh, Snooka from like 80s, 90s. They would just kind of end up doing independent shows for like some money here and there because it's real simple. You go, you, you know, pose to the crowd, hit two moves in the ring, get paid, get out of there, right? Uh, so, like, I, I, I'm not friends with Snooker. I never really talked to him. I was, like, 16 or 17 while I was sharing these locker rooms, so I was way too intimidated to, you know, go talk to the guy. But uh, just from being in a locker room with him a couple times, do I think he murdered Nancy Argentino? Absolutely. This dude has a fucking thousand-yard death stare that only really gets shown in old Vietnam movies where the soldier gets back and they're trying to depict PTSD and they're just having the flashbacks of Charlie lighting fires and, 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 and falling on punji sticks and, and there's chaos everywhere and they can't handle it. He had that look in his eyes every time he sat down in the locker room. Every time. So he's, he's seen some shit at the least. He's done some shit at the most. Uh, actually, when they brought the trial back in the late, you know, 2010s or whatever, he, he's dead now as of two, three years ago. Uh, he, he was ruled unfit to, you know, be on trial because he was mentally unwell and blah, blah, blah. So no justice for Argentino, unfortunately. But I'll defend Vince on this just because, I mean, A, again, he's never hid who, who he is. And I happen to be very uh, utilitarian in, in my thought process. So, like, look, obviously a tragedy that Nancy was killed should have never happened, of course. Of course. But Vince going and getting Snooka to be able to wrestle the next night in the next town over, let's say Nancy's family, immediate family, loved ones, friends, whatever, 30 people? That's probably generous, right? You include, you know, co-workers, 40? Let's say, let's, say 50, let's say 50, right? 50 people are very sad that Nancy's gone. Very sad. Heartbroken. But Snooka, being allowed to go free to the town the next night, entertains a crowd of 12,000 people. And then the next night, another arena, you know, maybe 10,000. And suddenly, by, by the end of the week, he's made 50,000 people happy. And there's, you know, 50, 50 sad people. Look, I, I know, if it was my family or whatever, I would not be arguing that point. I mean, maybe I would be, actually. I, I am very pragmatic, and <laughs> even if it doesn't fit my exact, you know, moment in time, I'll probably argue the other way. But, you know, I'm just saying, the numbers are in favor of letting Snooka go that night for overall good in the world, positive vibe energy. But all right, let's go, let's go to, let's go to this one, all right? Uh, the, the Owen Hart controversy, which happened in 1999. Now, if you don't know, somehow, uh, Owen Hart died in a WWF ring. He was doing this goofy superhero character, especially like a, like a, a comedy character that Vince had talked him into called the Blue Blazer. Like a, like a, a, a bumbling superhero, right? Like a superhero who wasn't good at his job type thing. Imagine that. So the plan was, uh, on this pay-per-view... For Owen, the Blue Blazer, to be lowered from the rafters, right, uh, with this harness. And when he got, like, super, super close to the ring, like a few feet away from the ring, he would, you know, get tangled in the harness because he's a goofy, bumbling idiot. And there was a quick release valve so he could, like, hit that and kind of take, like, the comedic fall splat on his face from a few feet up, right? Where he'd be fine, it'd be funny, ha ha ha. Unfortunately... Uh, as he was being lowered down, something happened with the quick-release valve, where Owen Hart fell 78 feet, 
uh, to his death, pretty much. It, it was not instant, I believe. Uh, they tried to, you know, bring him back, got him to a hospital. He was pronounced dead in the hospital a little while later, or perhaps on the way to the hospital. Now, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this for, you know, many, many reasons targeted towards McMahon. Uh, the first being having Owen do the stunt in the first place, right? Now, McMahon's known for always doing a crazy stunt he asks of his performers first. It's very famous open knowledge. Uh, Shawn Michaels had a very similar entrance planned for Owen Hart uh, with a, a, a zip line that went all throughout the arena down to the ring. This is back at like, WrestleMania 12, 13, I believe. And McMahon, you know, to show him that it's not, you know, dangerous or whatever, did it first. Same when Owen originally had to do this, because this was the third or fourth time that they had the, the whole harness gimmick for him. Vince did it first. Vince is known for doing that. Th this is a tragedy, okay? That's, that's all it is. It, was it dangerous? Sure. But they had the proper precautions, or so they thought. Vince had done it first to show him it's okay, and to show that he'd be willing to do it himself. He, he did what he could to make it comfortable and safe. Now, you know, if Owen didn't want to do it and Vince pushed him into it, sure, kind of shitty, especially knowing what it led to, obviously. But all things considered, I, I don't see a problem yet, right? And, and there are actually some people who criticize Vince thinking he may have um, cheapened out on, like, having a, a, a harness person. Whoever the harness person was, was like, he, he skimped, right? But that's not Vince's style. The, the wrestlers are independent contractors. They're, they're investments to him. He needs to protect his investments so that he can keep making more money. So he's better off spending money on, on the best in this field to protect his investment that's going to yield way more money in the long run. That's how Vince thinks. That is, is it's always the bottom line overall. He'll take a brief hit if it means more money down the road. That's all he cares about. Now, uh, the, the major controversy surrounding this is actually people being upset that he continued the show. Yes, the, the fans uh, saw the wrestler fall, Owen Hart, hit, get taken out, and the show continued. My question is, what exactly did you want him to do? Like, just stop cold turkey so that the last thing anyone in that arena saw that night was a wrestler splatting into the ring from 78 feet up and then going, okay, go home. I feel like that is how you truly traumatize an arena full of people. There's already going to be trauma coming out of this for everyone who witnessed that shit. So let's say... Let's say you do that, right? They just go home, and now their last thought of the night is that image. What you can do is soften the trauma by sending your wrestlers out there to continue the show and tap dance for another hour just to, just to get people's minds off what they just witnessed. I have no problem with continuing the show. I think it's the right call. Not to mention, it's not just the people who pay tickets to go to the fucking show who are traumatized. Vince is traumatized. A, someone who's worked for him for years, uh, uh, an, an employee of his, that he is responsible for his safety and his well-being, not to mention the, the friendly factor of knowing someone 
and working with them for years where you you've met their family you've met their kids you've met their wife you've you you've shared a business relationship together for all this time and then you see him fucking fall to his death you're not going to be in the best absolute mindset now i'm not saying even in the best mindset he would have you know changed anything because again i think continuing the show was the right call but to put all this undue pressure on someone, yes, he is the the the, the leader, and it's his show and everything, right? But at, at the end of the day, he's also experiencing something that he wasn't expecting, and it's pretty fucking heavy. Now, the additional controversy to continuing the show is that the uh, commentators eventually, uh, when it got you know determined that Owen was dead told the live crowd watching at home on pay-per-view that Owen Hart had passed away. They never told the live crowd. And people were upset that, you know, if you're going to continue the show and then not tell people, and it's just disrespectful and, and just all, all, the, all this negative shit. And it's like, do you think Vince should have told the live crowd that Owen Hart died? Because at least they had a chance of fucking hope. Sitting there wondering to, to each other, oh my god, did you see that? I can't believe he fell. Hopefully, you know, they, they took him out. Hopefully he gets help and he's okay. They get to at least go home thinking that maybe things are fine. Why would you want to not give people that hope? It, it may be a lie, but it's a, it's a good lie. They'll find out later that day or the next day. And then they'll be bummed. But at least that night they get to go, you know, god, maybe... Maybe, gang, maybe it's going to be okay. I mean, I guess the, the fucking other option, if you want to find some middle ground, right? You, you go out, you tell the live crowd that Owen Hart died, and then continue the show. <laughs> he could have done that. He could have been like, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Owen Hart tragically passed away. Your next contest, scheduled for one fall, introducing The Undertaker. <laughs> They could have done that. Just have the Undertaker come out fucking cutting a promo. You will rest in. Oh god, Owen, I'm so sorry. Why? Vince McMahon's job is to entertain people and make them happy and take their mind off things. As well as make a fuck ton of money. He... He didn't do, if you, you know, the, the argument whether he pushed him, like, Owen to do it and, and, you know, put pressure on him to do it, that's one thing, right? Because it eventually led to this. But for what happened, how he handled it, what do you really want from the guy? Send everyone home sad and traumatized or at least try to finish the show and just make it seem normal. Not have everyone just hyper-focused on the death they witnessed. There's fucking kids in the crowd, man. Let them try to still have a good night. Uh, I, okay, I did... I did find this out, though. And this is fucking... Okay, this is evil. This is the one thing I cannot condone. You know what? No, I can condone it because it's business. And, and Vince is businessman first. Uh, so, so Martha, Owen Hart's widow, uh, sued uh, the WWE and Vince McMahon afterwards for a, a wrongful death lawsuit totally valid. However, uh, I guess at the time, WWE's contracts with its wrestlers included a clause that you could only file lawsuits against them 
uh, from Connecticut. You had to file it in Connecticut because they were a Connecticut-based company. I'm not sure why they, they wanted this. I'm sure there's some legal you know, precedent or, 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 or uh, a bonus benefit to WWE by fighting in Connecticut somehow because that's where they're stationed. Uh, Martha did not fi- file it in Connecticut because she was not filing uh, a lawsuit for Owen's contract. It was nothing with the contract. It was you know, with the wrongful death. Uh, so WWE strong-armed the shit out of her by countersuing for breaching the contract by filing a suit against them outside of Connecticut and taking her through this extra long legal battle, spending more resources. Eventually, she did get a, a settlement from them for about $28 million, but, I mean, Vince, Vince and his lawyers countersuing the widow of the man you let die. In your ring, on your watch, that's a rough one. Now, I know it wasn't Vince personally, it was a team of lawyers, and they're going to use every fucking trick in the book they can to save Vince's money, because that is their job. Their number one goal is to protect Vince's baby. The cash. It's, look, it's evil. Even I'm having a hard time being like, yeah, Vince, you did it right on that one, because, I mean, fuck, just, if you're going to settle for $28 just be like, out of goodwill, an extra an extra two or three. Don't don't counter sue. Give her like a, a larger lump sum as like a hey, you know, our bad. I don't know. But for but for the most part, I defend Vince's choices throughout all that. People claim it's a controversy and that he's a bad person. He's doing what he fucking has to do. He's making tough decisions in tough moments, and and so far, you know, it's not the best situations. I wish the situation so far both involving someone's death and Vince McMahon's involvement uh, to a degree, whether it's afterwards or literally during. Uh, that Those parts aside, I'm not... I, I think he's one of the good dickheads. I think he's doing it. Now, look, I, I'm not saying he treats people well. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's upfront about the kind of person he is. He doesn't tell you directly... He doesn't use the words, I'm a dickhead and I'm going to take every cent from you that I think you're worth. Squeeze every fucking dime out of you. But, he's not not saying that. He's never not saying that. We actually know officially that wrestling is fake and and a work because of Vince. Now, wrestlers have tried to protect the business for decades before this. I mean... Good guys, baby faces, and heels, bad guys, they couldn't even travel the roads together. Because if any fans saw, you know, a bad guy and a good guy who were feuding in that territory together at the local gas station, the whole thing's blown. Hey, wait, I thought you two guys hated each other. I was there last week. You tried to stab that guy's eye out. Why are you at this gas station? And then they would have to kill them. Because back in the day, wrestling was filled with meatheads and criminals. Those were the pro wrestlers of the 60s and 70s. I miss that shit, man. It's all nerds now. I mean, I was a pro wrestler, and, and I'm, I'm a nerd, so I'm just as guilty, but... God, the good old days were fucking wild. Dangerous. Unhealthy. Unsavory. It, it's good that it changed, but, you know... There's some stuff that you miss. But anyway, uh, Vince... So basically... The, the Athletic State Commission uh, decided that they were going to start taxing wrestling events and making them pay license fees because they were a sport. 
right? Or at least they presented as a sport. And according to the public, if you know, if you were to ask a wrestler, ask Vince, they were a competitive sport. They're a combat sport. Uh, but Vince, being a fucking genius and wanting to make sure he gets every dime possible and not give away any cent of his money to someone who didn't earn it the way he did, decided to come forth and say, hey, no, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You can't tax us the same way you tax uh, sporting events or make us pay these licenses because we're, we're not a sport. We're sports entertainment. On the stand, on trial, tells people that they are sports entertainment because this way... Look, we're still, we're sport-esque, but we're fake, baby. We're entertainment. It's a smart move. That's the kind of guy Vince is. Now, did, did this also mean that it meant that wrestling events did not need, did not require ambulances and that wrestlers did not require medical clearance before wrestling? Sure. Maybe... Maybe it was dangerous for the wrestlers involved, but that's their prerogative. Because they have not ever been employees of Vince McMahon. Not one professional wrestler has ever been an employee of Vince McMahon because wrestlers are... Uh, I'll try and do a one-handed drum roll there. I'm holding a, a pad of paper. That did not work, but that's supposed to be a drum roll. Anyway, wrestlers are independent contractors. And they remain that way to this day under WWE because it lets Vince get away with not paying their health care. That's right. The guys going through tables and traveling 300 days a year to bump on their back and neck and shoulder and fly around and tear their ACL. Uh, all on Vince's shows for Vince to become a billionaire. Uh, they don't get health care. Because, obviously, they're not employees. They're independent contractors, and they can leave whenever they want. Except if they did, they would be in breach of the contract they, they signed, so they're not that independent, because Vince will hold your trademark, fight you for your trademarks, hold on to your character, your merch, uh, basically control every part of your identity, and if he knows you're going to leave and not renew your contract bury you, meaning make you look bad on his television shows on the way out, to bring your value down to zero, or as close to zero as possible, before you leave WWE, because he doesn't want any potential competitors to make money off his moneymaker. Not only does Vince want your money, not only does Vince not want to give up his money, Vince wants to stop the potential flow of money to anyone else because Vince thinks only the McMahons should have money. Now, he's, you know, he'll give to charity and stuff so he can write it off his taxes. He's not dumb. But that's all McMahon wants. He wants his money. He wants your money. He wants our money. And he doesn't fucking lie to you about it. Now, that actually brings us to Saudi Arabia. This, this is the most recent thing, and probably my favorite. Maybe, you know, maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's because, oh, okay, I was... <laughs> I was gonna say maybe I like it because it doesn't involve a murder, but uh, it actually does. Now that I'm looking at this, there is a lot of death surrounding Vincent Kennedy McMahon's uh, career, if you will. So, 
I assume you all remember uh, 2018, uh, Jamal Khashoggi of the Washington Post, the journalist uh, who was killed in Saudi Arabia. He was murdered in the consulate and supposedly hacked up with a fucking bone saw. We are talking true, gruesome, heinous shit. The shit that happens in movies, not in real life, or at least not that you regularly hear about in real life. It happened. It happened to an American journalist on Saudi Arabia soil in the consulate. Obviously, some kind of planned message, planned attack, it was bad. It made news everywhere, and that was on October 2nd, November, uh, October 2nd, 2018. Now, a little bit before this, I believe it was early 2018, uh, Vince had signed a deal with Saudi Arabia, working with their crown prince and, and the government, uh, for a contract to bring several WWE events over to Saudi Arabia and have live events there, right? And we're not talking just like a house show. Like, hey, bring some B-level guys over, maybe one superstar, throw them some fucking, you know, do a flip there, break that table. All right, good night, give us your money. No, no, no. These are WrestleMania quality events. They are, it's a $100 million contract, more than that, I believe. It's, it's a ludicrous amount of money, and they're bringing over every superstar possible. Brock Lesnar, uh, the, the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels came out of fucking retirement after the perfect retirement ceremony, because the money is so good over there. We are talking lucrative shit. So, of course, when Jamal uh, Khashoggi gets killed, uh, WWE had their second or third Saudi Arabian event lined up for exactly one month later, November 2nd, 2018, called Crown Jewel, I believe. And, of course, there was backlash. A lot of fans were like, hey... WWE, uh, you've promoted yourself as major patriots throughout your entire existence. Your, your first major superstar, the one that put you on the map and made you into the global brand you are, Hulk Hogan. The fucking theme song. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. Unless that man was killed in a consulate. Then just pay me and I'll leave it alone. Okay, I fucked up that last part. But, you know, the point being, they have built their brand as true American entrepreneur heroes meant to entertain Americans and the world and just spread the idea of love and freedom. That's WWE's idea. That's Vince McMahon sees himself as this ultimate patriot. That's why you had Hulk Hogan's music like that. Always... You know, telling kids to eat their vitamins and say their prayers. Those good Christian American values. That's why John Cena, you know, one of his other big superstars in recent years, always was doing, like, an army salute when he came out. Just to, like, I guess give a nod to the troops. Even though Cena has never done anything in the military at all. He's always, like, military adjacent somehow. Just because he wears fucking camo hats. I'm not really sure where the logic came with that. But Vince is always pro-troops, pro-America. So, of course, of course, this great patriot entrepreneur, Vince McMahon, would hear the cries of the American people, his fans who have supported him throughout the years, and decide this is too much. An American died on international soil, likely targeted by the very crown prince I am working with, 
I will not have this event because that would go against my values. And you would almost be right. Except Vince McMahon does the most American thing possible. He puts his money first. So ironically, Vince, being the true patriot, the true American, decides that he's going to go ahead with the November 2nd show and have this event in Saudi Arabia during this very controversial time. Because once again, Vince McMahon will show you every single time that he is only about his money. I'm telling you, if Vince thought for one second he could make one dollar more being based in Saudi Arabia than America, he would move over there and change his name to Vince McMuhammad today. He, it would be no time. He would have the papers drafted up. He would get on a plane. He would get his wife on. Linda, get in the plane. I don't want to go to Saudi Arabia. Shut up and put on the towel. We're Mick Muhammad's now. And then he would fly over, sign the contract in midair to fucking change the name and, and move WWE Titan Towers to the Saudi Arabian, you know, capital. And he would just be the, the next crown prince. Him and the Crown Prince would just run shows together and be the new wrestling promoters of the Middle East. That would be the new territory that he dominates. All because it made him a dollar extra a year. Because that's all he wants. And he's telling you through all of his actions that that's all he wants. So when people get this mad at him, I'm like, look. He's lying. But he's not really lying. You're just believing clear bullshit. That's on you, not on him. Now, yes, it's bad that he accepted blood money. This is actually one of the few things that I, I'm not defending him on because, you know, it was shitty. I, I'm not even a, a mega patriot by, by any means, but when you did build your brand on being a, an American company, an American entertainment conglomerate, you know, looking to be global, obviously, it's, it's where the money's at, but your brand and your image is very American, and this happens, and you have an actual chance to make a statement, Vince could take the hit. He could, he could take the hit money-wise here, and it would have been a, a big deal message-wise. Uh, but he didn't. It is what it is. Funny enough, though, because uh, there's way more controversy than just that around the Saudi Arabia events. Women, obviously, you know, they can't go wrestle on the show. They finally did, recently, which was a, a big breakthrough. And WWE's PR has always spun it as, like, you know, for, for the first, you know, half dozen events they did there, women weren't even allowed on the show, right? And then eventually they were allowed on with, like, a full bodysuit and a t-shirt to completely cover up. And they also couldn't really act like themselves. Like, one of the re uh, wrestlers has, like, this, uh, like, sexiness to her character. She's, like, the, the whole all-American girl-next-door type, so she kind of, like, you know, flaunts that a bit in the ring. She couldn't do that, so it's just, like, a very basic wrestling match, no entertainment factor at all. But it was a big deal, and eventually it led to, you know, WWE doing these shows and a, a women wrestling on the show. That's huge social change in Saudi Arabia. However, when these Saudi Arabia shows started... WWE was patting themselves on the back 
for starting a women's revolution. Meaning, giving women the actual chance to wrestle and be superstars rather than just eye candy and sex objects like they were for the decades and decades of time that Vince used them that way. I mean, until like 2007, 2008, they were still just doing bra and panties matches. The fucking... Okay, so the, the, the women wrestlers were called divas. They would do bra and panties matches. They would do like mud fighting matches. Just like any chance to see them in their underwear and naked. They would just be like... I challenge you to a bikini, a bikini pose off. And it's like, what? We're going to settle our differences with shaking our ass while the fans clap at who's hotter? Is that is that what our fucking storyline is? All right, Vince, whatever. Uh, but, you know, there was like this uh, social media trend, uh, hashtag give divas a chance. It led to, you know, enough backlash where they had to give women a chance to be themselves. And it fucking works. They have these amazing superstars like Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch who are top-notch wrestlers, some of the best in the fucking world right now. And so during this year, they have, like, this whole women's revolution. They're patting themselves on the back. But at the time, they cannot go wrestle in Saudi Arabia. So in between this specific period, the October 2nd killing of Jamal Khashoggi and the November 2nd Crown Jewel pay-per-view, they do a all-women's pay-per-view called... I, th- I think Women's Revolution or Women's Evolution, I- either of those two, uh, on October 28th in America. Now, that's some genius fucking marketing, man. They anticipated backlash for not being able or allowed to have women who work just as hard as the men on their roster, do the same travel, same training, same routine, same shit, not allowed to go to Saudi Arabia. So they're like, hey, we're doing a, a women's revolution. Let's have an all-women's pay-per-view. Except for the fact that the Saudi Arabia matches are paying like 500 times what any of the women made doing the women's evolution pay-per-view in America. That's how lucrative the fucking Saudi shows are. So as like a public congratulatory thing, it worked. The women made it. They started their revolution. They're having their own show. This is great. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the men are going overseas and making like $500,000 to fucking take three bumps in the Middle East and fly back. What do you think if really given the chance the women would choose to do? Sure. Maybe for the legacy uh, aspect and the history aspect, you want to, you know, main event or be a major player on the all women's pay-per-view. But... As a true American, I'm sure a lot of them would have been like, fuck you, pay me, put me on the big show. The one paying the big checks. I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, the only thing that I'm like truly, truly upset about, aside from Vince not, you know, using that one moment to send a message by pulling out and just take the fucking money loss. You can obviously afford it. You're affording it now during COVID with some layoffs and furloughs, but like you're, you're taking, they, they have no live attendance for half a year, and they're still doing it. He's going to be a billionaire either way. Just fucking take the hit and send the message. But what I'm most upset about is the fact that the Saudi Arabian money was so good that it brought Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid, out of retirement, my favorite wrestler, to have just a god-awful fucking match. Just a a horseshit, ruin-the-legacy, I'll-pretend-it-never-happened-as-long-as-you-promise-not-to-do-it-again kind of match. So for that, Vince... I cannot forgive you. I cannot. 
<laughs> this one's good. I remember... I remember in 2006, I was in freshman or sophomore year of high school. This is when... This is right before I started training in wrestling, I think, because I started junior year, I believe. Maybe it was sophomore year. But I was really into wrestling. I was watching it all the time. And Vince McMahon was in a storyline with Shawn Michaels. Uh, Vince McMahon is the bad guy. Shawn Michaels uh, is known as a, a reformed Christian. He went and found God and came back to the company. He used to be this big asshole and now is a good person, supposedly. And, you know, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, bless him. Woohoo! So... Vince and Sean have a match at WrestleMania. Sean kicks his ass. The next show, Backlash 2006, Vince McMahon decides to test Shawn Michaels and his faith by booking himself, Vince, and his son, Shane McMahon, to wrestle Shawn Michaels in a tag match where Shawn Michaels' partner would be God. Who do you think won that match? Who do you think won that match uh, where Vince McMahon was on one side and God was on the other? I know what you're thinking. Oh, okay. I bet Vince McMahon pinned God and beat him. Oh, I'll, by the way, God ended up being a spotlight. Just to be clear, it wasn't like some... It would be great if some dude come out as Jesus and stuff. It would have been fucking epic if it was like black Jesus. Vince was like actually secretly progressive and was like, Guys, Jesus wasn't white. He was born in the Middle East. He was obviously a dark-skinned person. <laughs> But, uh, no, they had, like, the holy music, like, ah, and the spotlight came down to the ring and, you know, got into the ring. Vince told him to back the fuck up. But no, 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 it's, it's not that Vince McMahon pinned God to show that he was superior. Vince actually scared God off. <laughs> God was so spooked by Vince McMahon's freakish strength that he hightailed it off up the fucking ramp into the back. God scared of Vince to fucking... I'm a sacrilegious person. I don't. I don't care about the shit at all. But when your base is good American Christian folk, the fucking balls on you to put yourself against God, and then not even put yourself over him, right? Like like to beat him, but to to make him run from you because you're that powerful. God God's all powerful, but he's not Vince McMahon. Billionaire powerful. No, it's a, it's a whole different powerful. And when I actually went back to rewatch this match, just to kind of like jog my brain and be like, did that really happen, or was that like a like a weird acid trip that I had? No, it happened. And it's not even the worst thing on the fucking show. I forgot that there was a character called Eugene. Eugene is on the show in a segment right after that, uh, where Eugene's whole character is that he's retarded, and I don't mean like you know, slow or, you know, not all there. I mean, the gimmick is that he's retarded. He would go out, uh, keep putting his finger in his mouth and, and biting on it and drooling places and looking around like he's fucking Stevie Wonder playing the hits, just gangling that face all over. Just, this is great, man. Yeah. Just... Full, full retard. This is the I am Sam Sean Penn character as a wrestler. And of course he beats people sometimes. He's fucking... <laughs> so... But he, he comes out... I mean, he, like, literally, the, the segment I'm talking about, he picks his nose and then makes someone else eat it. 
because he's retarded and doesn't know better. And then everyone's cheering. They're like, yeah, you know, the retarded guy's doing something. This is nice. He looks like he's having fun. I'm not uncomfortable because he's not bagging my groceries right now. He's just trying to entertain me. Yeehaw. That's Vince McMahon will have any fucking gimmick possible. That, that's really what it is. He had, he had a terrors gimmick for a while. I forgot about that. Oh, let's get into this. He fucking, this poor guy. Muhammad Hassan was the wrestler's name, or at least his, uh, his character's name, right? It was like 2004, 2005, where he gets introduced, so a few years after 9-11. And you know what? I'm sorry. It, it wasn't even a terrorist gimmick at first. It was just the fact that he was an Arab-American. That was it. He was an Arab-American who had an Arab-American manager. They would, you know, wear the, the, the turban. They would do the prayer, uh, like the, the whole uh, Muslim prayer, getting on their knees, facing Mecca, that kind of thing. And no one said that they were like, ah, we're terrorists, we're gonna, we're gonna come get you. That wasn't their character. They just were Arab-Americans, so by default, they were terrorists because of the time. They would get booed, doing all their shit, you know, people chanting and shouting terrorists at them. Now, of course, that was the intent. Vince McMahon's not just giving an Arab-American spotlight in the mid-2000s to not be a heel. To not be, I'm the terrorist character, oogie boogie boogie. Even got to a point where, like, uh, they started feuding with The Undertaker. Undertaker beat up his his friend, his manager, right? And then uh, Muhammad Hassan started praying and, like, summoned these five black-robed, masked men. Like, kind of ISIS shit before ISIS was big, right? They, like, came down to the ring, like strangled the Undertaker with, like, piano wire. Like, made it look like a fucking, like, assassination, borderline beheading video situation. And then carried him off. And then three days later, the London bombings happened. It's like, 2005. And this is when they were taping uh, the SmackDown show. This happened on SmackDown. So it was pre-taped. They ended up not airing it, I believe. Uh, I'm not gonna check right now. But uh, they eventually had to write him off, uh, the Muhammad Hassan character... Because of backlash from people being like, hey, you can't just have a terrorist on TV right now as one of your characters. <laughs> Even though it's not directly a terrorist, you keep you keep wink, wink, nudge, nudging that he's a terrorist. And it's kind of uncomfortable as our entertainment because we are currently being terrorized by terrorists. We would like to avoid that in our pro wrestling show if possible. So they basically write him off TV, they send him, they send him off TV, he's just gone. The, the character's gone, so the wrestler's gone, the guy who portrayed him, and they can't bring him back as something else, because he's Muhammad Hassan the terrorist. It doesn't, like, oh, I, you know, found, you know what they should've done? He should've found Christian God. And he, sh he should've literally, like, I found Jesus. <laughs> he sh he could've gone full babyface in the mid-2000s as the fucking Muslim character, who, the, the Muslim Arab terrorist who realized the error of his ways and found white God. That is how you recover that fucking character at that time and make money. Vince, why didn't you hire me at age 14 or 15 to fucking turn around your mistakes and make you millions of dollars with the fucking recovered terrorist angle? Boom. Right there when it made fucking... Goddamn loads of money for you, Vince. 
Hire me now. We can still do it. I'll find some controversial character you have and, and rebrand them. I, I barely watch the fucking show now, especially during COVID, because, like, I haven't really watched WWE in about a year, year and a half, save for, like, throwing on a pay-per-view now and then. Definitely don't watch the weekly show. I'm trying to think of, like, a controversial character they have now. They really can't because of the whole PC culture. That's, that's what's winning, which is, in this case, good. This is a case of PC culture doing the right fucking thing. Like, hey, don't have the Arab guy be a villain just because he's Arab. <laughs> don't fit him into the terror stereotype when people literally, in America especially, are viewing brown people as terrorists. It is, you know, holding a mirror up to society, kind of the way comedians do, but it's just not as, there's no subtlety or class to it. I don't know. Man, they really have no one controversial anymore. I'm trying to think. No, it's all PC. That's good. Good for them. Anyway. Anyway. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, he, he had a steroid scandal in, like, the early 90s. It was actually around the time of the uh, Athletic State Commission thing where he basically announced, hey, we're fake, so you can't tax us that way. And it was just the idea that, like, steroids were starting to get more strict as far as, like, laws go and, you know... It, uh, as far as how much you could distribute, uh, who you could distribute to, and for what reasons. Just getting more restricted, uh, tightened up. And Vince, uh, allegedly, in like the late 80s, early 90s, had this doctor on hand, this kind of shady doctor who was very loose and liberal with who he prescribed steroids to and how much he could get and provide. And the idea is that Vince brought him in and hired him so that he could get his wrestler. He basically peddle steroids to his wrestlers. That's not even a fucking scandal to me, alright? Again, it was meatheads and criminals back in the day. Those were the wrestlers. Mostly meatheads. A lot of times it was both. Now, they're the ones who wanted the steroids. I'm sure there's times where Vince told wrestlers, hey, you could probably make more money if you really bulked up, you know? Like, you have a good look, you're good in, good in the ring, good cutting promos, but, like, too small, too scrawny. If you bulked up, you'd probably make a lot more money, kid. So maybe he suggested steroids without really saying the words, because, again, he's very, very good at telling you one thing, but the subtext being way clearer right underneath that layer. I I'm sure that happened, but I think the majority is probably the wrestlers being like, hey... I want to get bigger because I've been trying to get big my whole life. I lift weights every day. Hey, boss, can you get me steroid through our, through our doctor? Vince was like, sure. You want to get big? I want to promote big guys. Let's make some money. It's not even a fucking scandal to me. And plus, it's, it's steroids. Who fucking... Uh, it, it's their own personal responsibility whether they want to inject themselves with the shit or not. It's not, it's not hurting anyone else in that regard. It's not even a scandal. Fuck that. Now, look, it's it's weird for me after going through the podcast and looking at the notes now that I didn't realize how much death really surrounded Vince McMahon. <laughs> I literally went into this being like, I'm going to defend him. He's one of the great dickheads of all time. He, he lies to our face. He's all about his money. It's, it's, it's respectable dickheadery. And then... Three of the fucking things involve a, involve a dead person. And I didn't even go into the fucking Chris Benoit murder-suicide shit. I didn't go into it because I don't blame Vince for it. I don't think he had direct control or anything. I didn't think I wanted to include it. 
uh, in an episode about Vince McMahon. But that's just yet another closely related to Vince McMahon tragedy that involves a death. Uh, it, it changed my perspective a little bit all of a sudden, just kind of digesting it, looking through and being like, okay, maybe he's a bit scummier than even my my jokey self wants to be like, yeah, he's just a dickhead. I'm just going to be like, yeah, come on, it's Vince. It's like, no, okay, maybe, maybe he's facilitating the lives of murderers or maybe he's allowing death to happen around him himself. But, but he gave me Shawn Michaels, man. He gave me he gave me the heartbreak kid. He gave me he gave me moments. He gave me happy moments. I there's some weird connection to Vince that I think every wrestling fan has just cuz like he gave us so much as kids. Like we grew up watching his product, we grew up being entertained by it and, and idolizing it and just kind of being, you know, uh, many people grow out of it, but even the ones that grow out of it, there's a certain phase where almost every boy, at least, is like, man, pro wrestling, that's the coolest. It's the coolest. And Vince gave us that. So, I mean, like I said with the whole snooker thing, I'm a utilitarian. Yes, Vince may have been associated with the deaths of numerous people throughout the years, but the amount of people he's entertained, the amount of lives he's benefited through giving work and exposure and promotion, and then the entertainment factor where he's providing smiles and joy to children and adults alike around the world for decades. For decades. You gotta weigh that against it, right? You gotta at least be like, all right, for as bad of a person as he is in his day-to-day business dealings, he is likely in the green when it comes to providing positive force in this world. And even if that wasn't the case, I, I gotta say, just for my own personal taste, I love Vince McMahon. I love his dickheadery. I love his commitment to just always being that bullish business motherfucker who's gonna drink your milkshake. He's gonna drink it all up He's going to drink it in front of you, and he's going to tell you he's going to drink it before he does. He's not going to say, I'm going to drink your milkshake. He's going to say, hey pal, I could get that milkshake off your hands for you. And he's going to coax you into some goddamn Mick Muhammad business deal. Folks, thank you for listening. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, even though they fucking censor us. Fuck you, iTunes. Diary of a Dickhead. Putting stars over dickhead. You have songs with bitch and hoe in the title. Come on. It's a playful dickhead. But go follow us on uh, social media as well. Uh, All over the place. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. At D-O-A-D-Cast. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And check out next week. Bye-bye.